Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and word about him spread throughout the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, the place where he'd been brought up, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. And when he stood up to read, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When he said this, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. So this is going to be, I don't think you've ever done this so deliberately anyway, a sermon in two parts. You're going to get the first part of it this morning, and I'll have something more and different, I hope anyway, to say about it next Sunday. Because next Sunday's gospel begins right where this one left off with all those people in the synagogue staring at Jesus. But for now, though, I would like to pretend that what we just heard stands all by itself on its own, even though it doesn't, even though it probably shouldn't. Those of you who opened your Bibles a minute ago and looked ahead, or those of you who know the Gospel of Luke well enough, know that today's reading is a prelude for something more for Jesus, and it isn't pretty. So you'll have to come back or tune in again next Sunday to see what I mean about that. But today, this chunk of Scripture plucked out of everything that surrounds it is nothing but good news all by itself. And I'm going to leave it at that. This morning, there's no catch. Today, there's no gotcha. I have no twist on this good news. Maybe you've heard that good preaching is supposed to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, which is often my goal, but not today. Jesus said once that today's trouble are enough for today. So I'm thinking we need good news just to be good news this morning. Fair warning, next week, the it she is going to hit the anfe, though. <laughs> so I went looking for something I thought would help illustrate this for us, and I stumbled across this thing totally by accident, but found it perfect for the occasion. It's an old bit Jimmy Fallon used to do called, I've got good news and good news. Check it out. Obviously, there's a lot of bad news out there in the world, but look, we at The Tonight Show decided to do something about that. We got a bunch of real news anchors from all over the country to read stories that we wish were true, stories that make us feel good. <laughs> I'll show you what I mean in tonight's installment of I've Got Good News and Good News. Here we go. Tax Day has been moved from April 15th 
to August 42nd, which really isn't a real day, so you're off the hook. Nice. This just in, your friends got together and agreed you need to post more pictures of yourself on social media. A new study finds that, you know what, to heck with new studies. Let's just look at this picture of Austin Powers. Yeah, baby. In sports, the Orlando Magic have decided to change their name to the Orlando U. Well, because you're magical. Hey, watch me smile. Not bad, right? The stock market went down and then up and then back down and then back up again. But you know what didn't change today? My love for Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I'm a proud peanut butter boy. You down with PBB? Yeah, you know me. Oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. I was on Tinder, swiping right on you. Today's weather is partly cloudy with a chance of dancing. That's right, you heard me. Get those dancing shoes on and let's hit the club. Mama wanted disco. That's what I'm talking about. It's the race. So this morning... Like we just heard from Jesus, I've got good news and good news. And I'd like to just revel in the gospel goodness of that good news with you all. Because when we meet up with Jesus today, he is filled with and inspired by the Holy Spirit just after his baptism. He also has just duked it out with the devil in the wilderness and won So after being dunked in the Jordan River, after being declared God's beloved child, and having resisted some pretty mighty temptations from Satan, Jesus is apparently riding a spiritual high as he makes his way around Galilee, preaching and teaching and impressing the people with his wisdom and understanding, with all of his counsel and might, so much so that he's the talk of the town and all the talk is good. Everyone was speaking well of him in those days. And why wouldn't they be? Why shouldn't they be? At least this morning and that day in the synagogue in Nazareth, Jesus let the scripture do the talking, very much like we heard Nehemiah did way back in the Old Testament. But with the words of the prophet Isaiah, Jesus promised good news for the poor. He proclaimed release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He declared freedom for the oppressed, and he proclaimed it the year of the Lord's favor. And then he just sat down. And he left the crowd to stare at him, probably itching for more, probably waiting for them to hit them with some of that wise and wonderful teaching that they'd been hearing so much about around Galilee. But the only interpretation Jesus gives, at least in that moment, for most of those in Nazareth and for us here this morning, is that the scripture had been fulfilled just like that. In other words, the poor had been promised good news. The captives have heard declaration of their release. The blind would or could see again, or maybe for the first time ever. Those who had been oppressed were now free. And apparently, the year of the Lord's favor had finally come to pass. Alleluia. Praise be to God and amen. It was nothing but good news on top of good news on top of good news with a side of Reese's peanut butter cups. 
And apparently it was partly cloudy with a chance of dancing in Nazareth that day. And if this good news is true, like those first worshipers in Jesus' hometown, all we can do is wonder, what does this mean for us today? What does this mean for us now? If we buy the notion that those words from Isaiah really have been fulfilled in our hearing, how could these things be? As a people who long for good news, who've been waiting for some good news, who've been hungry and thirsty and needing some good news for a change, what does any of this look like for us? What does it mean that today, this morning, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, in my hearing, in our hearing together? Well, not only is Jesus suggesting that he's the anointed one, the one called to preach and proclaim and promise all of this good news and all of these holy things on God's behalf, but Jesus is saying that it has already been accomplished. Good news has been proclaimed to the poor. Release has been declared for the captives. Recovery of sight has come to the blind. Freedom has been delivered for the oppressed. And if what Jesus is saying is true, then there must have been some poor people in that synagogue at Nazareth. There must have been some captives in that congregation. There must have been some blind and oppressed people listening to him in Nazareth on that very Sabbath day. And if the word of God is alive, if it's a living word that speaks to us still, then that must be true here too. For you and for me, now, this day. So who are the poor among us? Who holds the likes of you and me captive? In what ways are we oppressed how are you and I blind, I wonder? We have to acknowledge that most of us aren't any of these things when compared to so many out there in the world, poor, oppressed, captive, literally blind, I mean. But if this is to be good news for us, if this scripture is somehow fulfilled simply in our having heard it, how do we find and how do we embrace and how do we celebrate that good news for ourselves and with each other? What I mean is, we may not be financially poor. And again, most of us, by comparison with the rest of the world, are not poor. So today we're called to wonder what is it we're missing that God's good news provides? Are we poor in spirit? Are we low on hope? Are we lacking self-esteem or self-worth or validation from someone we love? Are we poor 
you and I, precisely because we have so much stuff, so many things, so much money at our disposal, and because we're confused by a world that pretends all of that is our way to happiness. And we may not be behind bars, most of us, but that doesn't mean we're not tied up or locked down or bound by something. A job, a relationship, a regret from our past, some fear about the future. Each and every one of us is bound by a sin of something done to us or bound by a sin of what we have done ourselves or left undone. And none of us may actually be blind either. But isn't there plenty we can't see about ourselves or others? Isn't there plenty we refuse to see about ourselves or others? Isn't there plenty we hope no one sees when they look in our direction? And wouldn't we all in this country and among God's children everywhere, really, like to see this year finally be the one that's full of God's favor. A year without fires and floods or earthquakes and tornadoes, I mean. A year without gun violence in synagogues and schools and in the streets of our cities. A year without political unrest and racial division. A year without war or rumors of wars or insurrections. What if this were the year where the pandemic finally runs its course? The year where people of all faiths find common ground finally in solid footing in our love for one another, and in our care for our neighbor. So I wonder, what if we let it be? This good news on top of good news on top of good news that we hear from Jesus today. What if we lived like all of this had come to pass and were true? Not with our heads in the sand, but with our hope, resting firmly enough in God's promises that it's possible, this good news, and that it could, by the power of an unfathomably divine grace and mercy, actually take place. This morning, and every day we can manage it, let's let the word be the word. And let's let the word of God's grace be plenty and enough. Let's hear its promise. Let's receive and share its forgiveness. Let's hold on to the fullness of its hope. Let's roll up the scroll or close the book and let's sit down with Jesus. And let's sit still with the truth of this gospel's good, good news. 
And let's realize that God is talking to us, you and me. That God is speaking our language and that these words, these promises, all of this good news about release and recovery, about vision and freedom and forgiveness, this is all we need. And it's everything God intends for us today and every day. What if today this scripture has been fulfilled already in your hearing? Amen.